Imagine a traveler, a weary traveler, navigating through a, a dense forest, burdened by a, a heavy backpack filled with a collection of stones along the way. Each step becomes more and more challenging, and the weight on the shoulders increases with every, with every passing mile. These stones symbolizes burdens we often carry in our lives. Stress, worry, guilt, the weight of expectations are all stones that sometimes we put in our own backpack of life. Now, as the traveler travels, he encounters this wise guide who, who offers a particular but profound solution. This guide suggests unloading the stones and replacing them with something more light. This guy recommends replacing the stones with balloons. Now, initially skeptical, this traveler hesitates, but the traveler decides to, to give it a try. This traveler releases every stone, and the burden begins to be lifted. These balloons represent the promises of God's grace as it starts to rise. And in this sight, we see this sound and the feeling of grace and this freeing spirit of which God wants all us to be a part of. He wants us to be liberated. He wants us to recognize that the journey that is before us can be undertaken with a light heart. This journey and this illustration gives us an example of what a life journey is. By a raising of hands, how many of you have picked up a backpack of stones? And sometimes it's hard to get rid of the stones. But God says... I want you to let those stones go. And I want you to hear that this morning. I, I, I believe God is speaking to your hearts right now. Let those stones go. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, in this context, it's, it's Jesus' ministry taking place during the Galilean ministry. And, and what we see, Jesus' primary audience is, it includes both the crowds and his disciples. These were people living in a society deeply influenced by religious laws and traditions. Many were burdened not only with the demands of daily life, but also the religious legalism that was instituted by the religious leaders. What we must realize specifically here in this context, in verse 20, 
Jesus encounters this resistance and rejection of him despite all the miracles and teachings that he performed. And this sets this backdrop of this invitation for rest to those who are near. If we would keep it in context, in verses 25 through 27, we see Jesus praying. And in this prayer, what we see, Jesus praises the Father for revealing spiritual truth to those who approach him with childlike faith. Given the context, he is addressing those who are burdened. I would share with you like this this morning because sometimes life hits us with a ton of bricks and we walk around with them. But one of the things I would share with you this morning is this. Weariness arises from carrying your own burdens while rest comes from having your burdens lifted. How many of you in here would like to have your burdens lifted this morning? It would be so easy to ask Jesus to lift those burdens. In verse 28, we read, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavenly laden. This is a simple statement giving to those who will have a covenantal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a simple invitation that it is not a call to burdensome or a set of rules or a set of rituals. It is an invitation to a personal encounter with him. We must understand who is him. The him is the one who is given all authority in heaven and on earth. The him, if we keep this in context, is given all authority over sin, given all authority over death, given all authority over sickness, given all authority, get this, over your weariness. In this, we see this call, this call, is for comfort and renewal. What is it to come to Christ? It is to believe on Christ. It is to come to Christ by faith in your heart. And get this, it's to never stop coming to Christ for everything. This is important because what happens is that Jesus Christ is inviting individuals into a relationship with himself and he offers, he offers this sound rest. He offers this ability to be approached. He's offering the understanding that he wants people to draw near. He doesn't want them to hesitate and have fear. And in this context, if you study the, uh, in chapter 11, what we see is that the Pharisees had put so many laws on the 
the, the people that they were scared of God or God was burdensome. But Jesus himself, being God incarnate, God in flesh, says, I want you to come to me. The significance of all in this context is a universal invitation. What we see specifically here in this context, we see all who labor, all who have this ability to work. Jesus is not speaking about work, but about the need. It seems that we need to understand that Jesus means heavenly laden. And what we see is the present tense. It points to a continual state of working. In other words, it's heavenly burden continuous. And there is no qualification that is needed in order to come to Jesus. Which is the qualification that legalism presents this phrase in this text labor and are heavily heavy laden it, it, it conveys this idea of weariness this idea of exhaustion it, it it's it's like a life of of that does not have a minute of relief have you had a season in your life like that Seems like there is no relief when you get one, done with one thing, something else shows up. And we ask ourselves, are we being judged by God? God, what did I do wrong? In this life, we will have troubles. In this life, we will have burdens, but we need to acknowledge the burdens. We need to acknowledge what weariness is. Weariness is physical. And what we mean by physical, it, it is due to physical labor. It is emotional. Sometimes we get to a place where we are emotionally weary, where we, we have these feelings of sadness, these, these anxieties, these, this, this stress, and, and we're burnt out by, by what's going on in life. And some have spiritual weariness. This spiritual weariness goes beyond this physical and emotional fatigue. It speaks of this exhaustion of the soul. And what the text is saying, it stems from this human struggle that, that we try to find a meaning and a connection with God. And sometimes that meaning and connection with God may be severed because sin in our own lives. Preach, Pastor Preach. Finally, this weariness can come from life responsibilities. I'm reminded of, of a commercial when I grew up. And it was a long, long time ago. And if you know it, just join in with me. I don't want to grow up. Anybody know the rest of it? <laughs> it's when we, we have life and, and we get mature, we, we don't want to grow up. 
I have a, a young grandbaby, and she'll be turning one years old on the, the 19th of this month. And I'm just looking at her little life like she doesn't have a stress in the world. She walks around and bullies everyone. And I love every minute of it. I don't want to grow up. We don't want life responsibilities, but that's a part of growth. That's a part of, of who we are in, in, in the gospel. That's a part of maturing. We must grow up. We must understand that life has burdens and there's a pressure to succeed. There's a pressure to provide for loved ones. There's a pressure to meet social standards. There's a pressure that sometimes is overwhelming. And this is what we must understand. Jesus is inviting those who are tired and weary of life burdens to come to him. Would you come? Would you go? I, I need you to look to your neighbor and say this for me. Neighbor, go to Jesus. Get your rest. Sometimes we, we get so busy and we get so agitated with life, all we need to do is just go to sleep. You know, my, all my, you know, I talk about my grandbaby a lot. I'm, I'm just, I'm amazed. It's like when she gets too busy, too antsy, you know, and she's running all over the place and her eyes are glazed over, you know, we already know what time it is. It's night-night time. We need to go to Jesus to get rest. In verse 28, it also says, and I will give you rest. Jesus invites us to find rest. He goes beyond addressing just the physical exhaustion. What he does, he promises this type of rest that transcends all types of weariness. This verb seems not to imply rest that is not a complete elimination of labor. This is the rest that reminds us that we're able to, to be workers of Jesus, to go back to the task, whatever he's called us to, with a renewed vigor. I would love to have this text when it says rest, to see myself on an island with cold, with a cool breeze, blue waters, white sands, and a pina colada with an umbrella in it on a beach. That is what I consider rest. Come on now, right? Rest is not, babe, where you at? Daddy, can you come help? What do you consider rest? This rest is the point of, well, the point of this rest is that Jesus gives rest. And what we see here, it is a renewed rest. It's the ability to keep on going and going and going because we are resting in him. I don't want you to miss this point here. Jesus 
gives the rest. You see, coming to Jesus signifies recognizing him as the origin and supplier of genuine rest. And what does this rest look like? This rest is a soul rest. It's a rest that goes beyond the physical reaches and it reaches into the very core of our being. And, and how do we have this type of soul rest? First, is trusting in God's sovereignty. In the midst of our life uncertainties, challenges and and these unanswered questions that we have we find rest when we surrendered to the truth that God is in control though we may not understand we have this soul rest by abiding in Christ this abiding in Christ involves this ongoing intimate relationship And the soul finds rest by remaining connected to the source of life and by drawing this nourishment from the vine. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says it this way, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Soul rest is grounded in the security of God's love. It's understanding that God loves us all unconditionally. And when we grasp the understanding that God loves us unconditionally, what happens is that it gives us this expected sense of security. In Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it reads, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor the present things nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. These are words of assurance. Our soul rests when we have an eternal perspective. It goes beyond this temporal concern of the world and the things that we fix our mind on or we we fix our gaze on. What what happens is that we, we have this promise of eternity with Jesus. And our soul is at rest when we have peace in Christ's presence. Ultimately, this is where our rest is found. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 7, the text read, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is this peace that helps us remain unshaken by external circumstances. 
It, it grounds us in this unchanging nature of who Jesus Christ is. And it helps us to be still. Sometimes we're tired because we move too much. Preach, Pastor, preach. I don't know why I'm tired. Sit down. You won't be tired. I don't know why I'm so tired because you keep moving. And, and in this, what we see is that Jesus is saying, look, I want you to be grounded in my nature. I want you to rest. I'm going to give you rest. In verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Everyone in this culture knew what a yoke was. A yoke was something that was custom made that was put across the necks of two beasts of burden, oxen. It, it, it was put apart, apart, I would say, from one perspective, right in front of their shoulders, and it, it usually connected to a plow or a wagon, or it was meant to pull something. And it, what this yoke did, it allowed them to work together, pulling a, a heavy load. This, this yoke, in, in this context, is, is basically explained under the covenant relationship of Jesus. It is not that we are relieved of our work or our burdens, but we are in one text or in one context, we're given the ability to work in his abilities within his limitations. What we see literally here is that the believer will find work fulfilling and rewarding rather than toilsome and exhaustion. exhausting. Why? Because we are working with who? Jesus. This is why the burden is light. Jesus instructs his followers to, to take his yoke. Now, I want you to notice this. It is to take his yoke on your own initiative. You have to take it. And this is what he is calling us to. He is calling us to, to he's inviting us, but what happens is that there must be a response. And it's just like the picture of salvation. It is that God authors, he's the finisher of salvation. And what we see is that God, in his electing purpose, he desires and he sends out and he, he elects and he ordains. But what happens is that there must be a human response. But a human response is always given to someone who's alive. And if you are alive in Jesus this morning, I implore you to respond. I can share it with you better in this perspective. In life, everyone bears a burden. The key is deciding whether to, we'll carry one that matches our capabilities or one that exceeds our limits. Some burdens are not built for you to carry. 
Let me, let me say that one more time. Some burdens are not built for you to carry. And if it's not built for you, why do you keep on trying to carry it? He says, learn from me. He tells them to learn from him. This goes hand in hand with, with taking Jesus' yoke. It, it teaches us to, to live under the, the light burden. It, it offers this enjoyment, this rest. It, it is Jesus as our teacher. He, he deals with us with sensitivity and compassion. And he says, learn from me. And throughout the gospel, we see an emphasis on being a disciple. And in what we see literally here, this word or this verb mean it conjugates or it connects with disciple or it demeans to learn through instructions. In other words, to be a follower of Jesus demands being a disciple, essentially embracing the role of a learner. To come to Jesus, you must be a disciple. And in this invitation, we see the implication for discipleship. And discipleship itself, it, it communicates these key principles. First, it's submission to authority. In other words, it's taking a yoke upon oneself and being submissive to a higher authority. It talks in this discipleship, it talks about partnering with Christ, this partnership with Christ. Just as two oxen share a yoke, we work together efficiently with Jesus and discipleship. And what happens is that he, his yoke becomes the journey of our lives. Discipleship involves learning and training. We should always be learning and training. We should learn how to do things the right way at the right time. Because sometimes we can do the right thing at the wrong time. In discipleship, we see this community and fellowship. It is this yoking together that, that emphasizes this community and fellowship with Jesus. It is that this discipleship is not a solitary journey, but it is a shared experience with Jesus. And it connects us as fellow believers in Jesus. We should have this, trans, uh, I say, transformative growth from discipleship, from being yoked together with Jesus. And see, through the shared yoke with Jesus, believers grow, learn, develop into the likeness of Christ. And what I would share with you, the, the yoke of Jesus becomes a tool for shaping our character and cultivating our spiritual maturity and producing the fruit of the Spirit. This is how you know that you are yoked with Jesus. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. I want you to notice the emphasis of rest. This is the second time he repeats it within this context. Jesus affirms that he is gentle and lowly at heart. And what we see specifically here in this context, these leaders that these people are exposed to, they're not lowly in heart. They're proud and they're arrogant. They're know-it-alls. They're, they're placing burdens on people. They want to take the superior place. But Jesus himself said, look, this is no gimmick. I am gentle and lowly of heart. We must realize that Jesus left the bounds of heaven to what? Come to earth. He put on a skin suit to walk around sinful men. And this heart, it qualifies at the center of Jesus' being. It's not that he pretended to be humble. It's, it's not that he made a show of being lowly. He was really lowly, and he had a heart for man. This is the very center of it all, is that Jesus loves you, and he invites you to come. There's nothing more hopeless that characterizes life when too many world afflictions are attached to it. But what Jesus says, he says, I want you to come. And I want you to come because of who I am. Verse 30. The scripture says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's read that together. I need you to, to confess that, all right? Can we, can we read that together? All right, on the count of three, one, two, three. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus adds this to show that from one perspective, his call is no difficult and burdensome affair. He shares with us in this, this text that his burden is a light one. And what we see literally here, it is this invitation to service and to serve Jesus. And Jesus is not calling people to live this careless life of ease, but he is calling us to be a people who are glad, who will be delighted, and who will not worry about the painful drudgery of life because we are connected to him. And knowing that he is sovereign in all that he does and all that he is, it will work out. The, the problem sometimes we want it to work out like right now, right now. Like, can you do it like right now, right now, God? Please. And that's not the way. 
Sometimes we, we look at our, our burdens or we look at our life, our life issues as testing. I don't know about you, but I don't like tests. But, but what this does and what this shows is not a life of testing. It's a life of relationship. It's a life of Jesus saying, okay, I need you to walk alongside me. It's like if I don't have you tethered to me, you're going to get in trouble. You know, we have kids, right? And if we take kids into certain places, we look at them, we give them the pre-speech before we leave the house, right? How many of y'all give your kids pre-speeches before you leave the house? Don't touch nothing, don't look at nothing, don't ask for nothing. You bet not shame me. Right? And when you get to that place, what do you do? You yoke right to them, right? You hold their little hand and they're trying to go all over the place. But because you're the consistent guiding force, what happens is that they follow you. Now, some of them pass out. Mine did. And I just picked them on up and just gently drug them along. This is what yoking to Jesus is about. It is that he wants you to walk with him. He wants you to be with him in life difficulties. And I'm not saying that it won't be easy, but what I'm saying is that it's going to be right because you have righteousness right on side of you. More important, there are two types of rest needed. There's rest for, for one's heart and there's rest for one's soul. And the rest for, for one's soul is found in a relationship with God, the God of heaven and earth. And that relationship comes through faith in Jesus Christ. I'll leave you with this one. Surrendering and trusting are the key elements in taking on Jesus' yoke. There was a time in my life a few months ago and it just seems like one thing would happen after another. And generally what happens is that I try to decompress. And sometime in, when you're trying to decompress, it just does not work. So I found myself having to go to one of my places that I like to decompress. My de decompression takes place either at Home Depot, <laughs> Best Buy, or Walmart. In that order. So this one day, just going through it, and it's just been a time, I've just been going through it for a long time, and I'm, I'm asking God, not why, but what does he want from me? What does he want? I've, I've gotten to a point in my life where I don't even ask why anymore. I'm just asking, what do you want from me? What do I need to learn from this? I want to learn it because I want to get over it real quick. This one day, I decided to go to Walmart.
to pick up a few things. And as I was leading, leaving Walmart, there, you know, Walmart always had these greeters. And as I'm walking up, I'm hearing this interaction with the greeter and this gentleman. And as I'm walking by, I'm ear hustling. Because <laughs> I see the ladies like putting their hands up and the guy's like putting his hand toward He's like putting his hands up. So as, I, as I'm ear hustling, I'm walking by, he is trying to give the greeter a tip. And the greeter is saying, I can't take your tip. It's not store policy. I can't take your tip. He's like, I got to give you the tip because I've already given you the tip. I can't take my blessing back, so I got to give you the tip. And as I'm walking by ear hustling, I'm looking at these people right here. You know, when you go to Walmart, you like the people watch too, right? So I walk by and I get my mouth all set for the vending machine. And in the vending machine, as I walked in, I saw Hawaiian Punch. For 50 cent. <laughs> so I'm all ready to go at this point in time. I, I'm like, I'm going to get me, you know, my day, my week, my month has just been bad. I'm going to get me some Hawaiian punch and I'm going to go home and I'm going to just relax. So I go to the, the vending machine and I, I put my, my $2 in because I got to get four Hawaiian punches because I can't just bring a Hawaiian punch home for myself. I got to bring Hawaiian punch home for everybody else or I never hear it. So as I'm putting money in the vending machine, I'm getting frustrated because there's no Hawaiian punch. How can you be Walmart and not have Hawaiian punch <laughs> for 50 cents? And I'm literally agitated at this point in time. And I'm saying to myself, and this too. <laughs> and I'm really frustrated. And as I'm getting ready to, to, to not get my Hawaiian punch, I had to default to, default to squirt. <laughs> I pressed the button for squirt, and then all of a sudden, you know me, I've always got my head on a swivel. Maybe that's just me being an ex-linebacker. So my head is always on the swivel. And I noticed a guy that was trying to give the lady the, the money. He stops, and he grabbed one of the, the napkins, and he starts to wipe his basket. So me, I'm like, that's weird. Because generally, when people walk in the store, what do they do? They wipe the basket because of COVID, right? But he stops and he starts to wipe the basket and he's right behind me. And I'm like, come on now, come on now. You don't want this right here, buddy. <laughs> and he looks at me. And he says this, God's toughest assignments are given to his strongest warriors. I, I looked at him with all the stuff that was going on in my life. So I said, so you're saying God's telling me I'm tough. So I turned around to get my squirt, and I wanted to go and, and, and just share with him that I was a pastor and share him, 
about the timely word of how God has used him. And, and, and I just wanted to encourage him. And I wanted to invite him to church and find out what part of town he was on. And, and what happened was at this particular point in time, it was literally maybe about four. It doesn't take long to get four squirts out of a vending machine. And when I got him and I ran outside to try to find him. And guess what? He was gone. I drove around. I looked and I could not find him. This morning, I want to share something with you. You have been through a tough assignment as a church. Your pastors have been through a tough assignment as a church. Your leaders have been through a tough assignment as a church. What I would share with you, love them. And love them the right way. Be gentle. Be courteous. Be mindful during this time period of transition. Amen? Amen. Father, we are grateful that you've allowed us to come together this morning. And we are thankful that you have given us such a word for this time. Father, I pray for those who are burdened. I pray for those who feel like the world is collapsing on them. I pray for those who don't know a way out. I pray for those who, from one perspective, feel like they are blind even though they see. And Father, I ask you to help us be those people who would take upon your yoke and who would learn from you because you invited us. And it is our duty to respond. Father, we ask that you would help us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, and that you will protect us. It is in Jesus' name we all say amen.